Hi, my name is Dr. Sarah Adams. I am a board-certified pediatrician, but I'm not your pediatrician. Feel free to use my podcast as helpful information, but in no way do I intend my podcast to replace the advice of your physician. Your physician knows you and is in the best position to provide medical advice. And welcome to Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. I want to thank my entire audience for listening. And I'm really excited about speaking to our guest this week. And mostly because I know that not just parents are caretakers, but sometimes grandparents are too. And I know that some of you out there are also listening. But I want to remind you that the information that we're going to talk about, specifically with menopause, is going to include perimenopause in addition to postmenopause, because there's nothing wrong with preparing your body, your hormones, and everything towards that life change, which I'm going to introduce my guest because I love her philosophy. And that is that she says growing old is a choice. And Barb is the go-to menopause fitness coach who believes that when it comes to transforming the middle-aged women's body, making some simple tweaks, whether it's in the kitchen or the gym, can definitely cause improvements in health and confidence. Barb works with high-achieving, career-minded women, helping them to lose weight in menopause, and she has a unique result-driven program that enables women to say goodbye to that weight gain, muscle loss, that energy drain, boy, I can relate to all of these things, that can accompany with the season change. She's a functional sports trainer, AFPA, and she's also a mom of four boys and a menopausal woman who in addition to menopause, has struggled with hypothyroidism. And as I mentioned, aging is such a choice, and what media tells women that they can and can't do at a certain age is something that she is working hard to tell that this is the most radiant version of our life in this chapter. She's been working out herself since she was 17, studying nutrition for the past 35 years. And although she says it hasn't been smooth sailing herself, hello, motherhood, which I love, she put her own health and wellness on the back burner for many decades while taking care of her children, which left her very confused, lonely, unprepared as she noticed her body start to change. So Barb Hawken wants women going through this journey to know that they're not alone, and her passion is teaching women what they can do and how they can help as their body is approaching that this, this new age. And, and we know that some changes can even start as early as 30s. So we want to be stronger, sexier, and more radiant, according to her bio. So thank you, Barb, for joining me today and joining our audience. I think you have so much information to offer. I know, of course, as a mom of two boys, myself, <laughs> and somebody who is postmenopausal, um, I'm really interested to hear about your wisdom. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Sarah, so much. Appreciate it. So one of the things that I love about being a pediatrician is 
prevention. You know, I get to work with kids and adolescents and families to help prevent, live a lifestyle now so that as they age, we're going to see, you know, we have less heart disease, we have less diabetes, we were prepared for, I'm working to prepare young children um, as they grow into adults to prepare them for, you know, what that next chapter looks like for them. Tell us a little bit more about kind of how you got into this journey and and the first steps you would say is needed in order to prepare for this chapter. Yeah, so I started working out, like uh, you said, when I was 16, 16, 17, and just kind of continued. Now, I did homeschool our son, so I did take eight years off from lifting, but then I did a lot of cardio. And so what happened when I woke up one day at 47, I realized I was skinny fat. I really had very little muscle, but I wasn't a large person. It's just, I thought to myself, gosh, this is not what I thought it would be. And so I vowed to go back to the gym and get myself back into shape. And like a lot of women who were raised in the 80s and 90s, 90s, we just were taught kind of not to eat very much, especially fat. And so I really struggled with putting on muscle, having enough energy. But boy, I could work out for an hour and a half to two hours every day because that's what we were told to do. And my body was exhausted. And so I kind of had to smarten up and I developed my own 15 foods and did a lot of research and started finally eating more protein. And my body changed exponentially within weeks of eating more food, sleeping a little bit more. So my adrenals were like working. I My metabolism revved back up and I was now 48 years old. It took me, took me over a year and a half to really get to the body composition and health that I was looking for it took me a little longer than what it should have. But, you know, again, it's that mindset of not eating enough. It's really, really tough. Most of my clients struggle with that. When they come to me, they just don't eat enough. And so they're not getting, you know, the tone body that they really desire and really the results that they're looking for, for all of their effort. And so that's a big part of how, what we do, you know, in my program. I would agree. I would say definitely in the early days and I I when I even work with my adolescent patients and I tell them how restriction is is not the way to go, but that's in for a long time that's really how we were I don't want to say raised, but that was the mindset. And I will admit, even for my own story, it worked. You know, if I wanted to lose 10 pounds for a wedding or something like that, I could do it very easily when I was younger, only to gain it back. And mm -hmm. so I want to, I really, my mission has always been to just start again with that age group that, you know, so that they don't get that yo-yoing, you know, because I would say in my own personal experience in menopause, it stops yo-yoing. It stops going down. You know, the yo-yo <laughs> is just stuck up, yeah. up top, you know. So um, what what are some of the first steps that you think people should start with? Because I know trying to make a lot of changes at once can be hard for most. Yes. Yeah, very difficult. So it's small lifestyle tweaks, even in your 30s for gals to really just start thinking about eating the cleanest, most, most wholesome food possible, not eating sauces, no fried food. I mean, we've heard about this, but I cannot 
emphasize how important that is. Really, it's like pure health. So just looking at your food, number one, getting enough protein and sleep. Although as a mama, I can say it now because my children are older, but as a mama, especially homeschooling, I probably wouldn't be saying the same thing, you know, 10 years ago, because most most of us live off five to six hours of sleep. You know, we just are getting through those childbearing years the best we can. Napping, if you have a toddler, if they're napping, I mean, you know, we're just getting through. Right. So so that's where the food component really comes into play, enough hydration and definitely exercise. So when I found when my kids were little and I homeschooled them, if I could get them involved in some kind of activity and I could do something, let's say at the rec center or at the gym while they were being taken care of or something like that. I mean, you really got to put your thinking cap on because as busy mamas were running around at the ballpark to gymnastics, carting them around, driving them around. And there really is very little time left for us. Plus I had a lot of mom guilt because I was a homeschool mom. So I felt guilty if I would hire a babysitter and go to the gym for an hour and a half, just terrible guilt. And so what I did instead, I would play tennis. They would play tennis. We Actually, I did a lot of walking because that's something that you can do with your kids. So I really tried to stay active in those, in my thirties and early forties until they were old enough that I could say, Hey, I can go to a gym. You're okay at home you know, without burning down the house and, and everything is going to be okay for 45 minutes. Yes. And what's great about that too, that suggestion of doing things together is that gets the kids off their bottom as well. It gets them engaged and just, and, in, and, and active. But I love that even just doing something together, you know, even if like the tennis example, even if you're not playing together, just having that common um, activity that you're involved in also really helps with the family kind of, I, I, I had a person on the podcast who talked about that foundation. And so that really helps build that, that family foundation too. Yeah, because we travel a lot because they were homeschool. So we travel about six weeks a year. And I found that that was really important because it, as teenagers, there there could be a time when your kids really don't want to be around you. We never had that problem because this is something that we always did, kind of like playing tennis or going for a walk or or doing whatever. If they're used to being around mom or dad or, or whatever, doing these types of activities when they're young, 9, 10, 11, 12, I'm not saying they're not going to not want to be around you, but it is, in my experience, we've never had that teenage backlash and mm -hmm. even now in their 20s they're always helping to plan family trips it's just something that we do and so I I just wanted us to be close always as, as a family so I always thought about okay what can I do I'm going to take them to little league you know I think I can walk it might be embarrassing to, to them now talking about it but I could walk around the field or mm -hmm. choose another field really and to get it in because when you're a busy mom that hour is probably your only time for yourself that day. And it's just that daily habit of doing it. That's why I tell my clients to go to the gym every single day in the morning, get it over with. There's no ribbon for being the happiest person in the gym. Absolutely not. You just want to <laughs> get in. And even if you're just stretching or walking on the treadmill on your rest day, it tells your brain, this is what we're doing. We do this every day. 
just to keep active so that you don't fall off the wagon, if you will. What do you recommend to families in regards to Whole Foods when they're also trying to feed, you know, like I try to tell them, you know, this is this is what is good for the kids too. You know, it's very good for the kids and the earlier you start, the better. But, you know, that's that can be hard sometimes too. Mm. So a lot of times I'll hear families say, well, you know, the other partner, for example, will only eat da da da. And I also have to feed my kids. And, you know, the last thing we have time for is really to make like three different meals. But what is some of the advice that you give to women in, in those situations where they want to really start eating more whole foods, as you said, which is good for everyone, but incorporating that also into the entire family? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of guilty of running a 24-hour diner because <laughs> I but as a busy homeschool mom, I I did want us to sit down at dinner, but that sometimes was too late for me. So back to your grazing, yes, grazing, I would kind of eat while I was preparing their food. And a lot of kids can be picky. I fed my kids way too many starchy carbs growing up because that's what we were told to do. That was big big mistake, not enough lean protein at all. But I would really gear toward the lean protein early on. And just you can cook it in such a way that it's, you know, it's not fried, it's going to be healthy for the woman who really wants to kind of watch her weight, maybe she's trying to lose a little bit, fill your plate up with some veggies, and eat that and probably be pretty happy. Sure, the kids, they just love that mac and cheese. And so that's an easy side dish, if you will, versus a whole meal like we used to do, which I wouldn't do. But just to kind of have that also and try on most days to eat, you know, but when you're busy and like literally you're eating very late at night, I mean, it, it, it's just, it is a challenge. It is short lived though. And that is kind of for, for moms that might be in their thirties or early forties, they might be, when is this going to end? And it, it does get better. Every season is different. Cause if you have multiple children, they're, they're everywhere. You know, I had all boys, which was easier versus going to dance class and little league. That would have been just too confusing. And so I was really blessed in that way, but just pre-plan a lot of things. Also, like I tell my clients make double the night before, and then put your lunch in a glass container and take it to the office. Because believe it or not, a lot of gals don't think of doing things like that. And then you're so starving during the day, you're in between meetings or patients, and then you get stuck. And then you just grab whatever you have. And if you have a spouse or a partner who, you know, or older kids like mine that buy cocoa pebbles and chocolate chip cookies, things that I don't eat, but if they're there and I'm hungry and not prepared, right, right. then I'm going to slip. And that happens a lot. And so it, it's kind of nerdy. Oh, I'm going to prep my food, but it really is so vital. And just take your little lunch and um and a snack you really want your food all day just like if when when moms are preparing food for their kids for lunch it's the same thing just prepare it for you too just make triple if you have to yes and i think that's that's great advice and i think i and and there are situations for sure i i did the same thing too and i learned over time you know i would have a salad bar so that 
picky, my picky eaters could like decide what they wanted to put on the salad or we love taco bars. So like things that we would do that I knew, okay, this person loathes sour cream, this one likes it, you know, and that's just an example. But it is important to take care of yourself because when it does come into kind of like that pre um, and, you know, perimenopausal stage, I think that you know, kind of getting your hormones ready for that change in your life versus now your hormones are like way out of whack. I'm not saying you can't make adjustments, but what can women do as they prepare for that stage in addition to their diet? Right, diet and then exercise. So this is another change that we're trying to change, right, in society is we all grew up with doing too much cardio. And so cardio has its place and it's okay, but you really want to prioritize strength training. So lifting weights, progressively overloading, which means if you lifted, you know, five pound curls last month, hopefully you're now using, let's say seven pounds, or you can lift one or two more reps. So that's known as progressive overload. The strength training is vital because that is how you sculpt your body. So if someone wanted to lose weight, then they have to put their body in a calorie deficit. We do that either through food and or exercise. To get the quickest results, you do it at the same time. But I really firmly believe, and all the science shows, that strength training is the way to go because you want to build lean muscle. That helps your metabolism stay high because when you head into menopause, what happens is estrogen drops very, very low. And this causes a lot of fluctuation in your hormones. And you'll get hot flashes, night sweats, you could get joint pain, things happen. And then your body distributes fat in weird areas almost overnight in your lower belly and the back of your back and your arms, you'll get more jiggled and you're, you're just like beside yourself because what happens also because of this lack of estrogen is you lose body muscle, lean muscle tissue in your upper butt, okay, which you need that for nice shape. And, and so that's why I always tell women just really keep doing the strength training because cardio makes you shrink, your whole body shrink, okay? And if you're doing a lot of cardio, which takes up oxygen, muscle needs oxygen, your body will unload some muscle for you because your body's whole thing is to keep you breathing healthy and making your life easy for you. That's what your body wants, your life to be easy. And so if you're jogging and running and huffing and puffing, oh, we need to unload some of this muscle on this girl so she's not going to kill over and die. I mean, that's what it does. And so the strength training comes in, you're eating enough proteins, you can actually build some muscle and progressively overloading. Okay. And now I'm a power lifter. I'm a state record holder power lifter. So if you go on my social, you'll see that, that I squat and deadlift and bench. You do not have to do that. I, I started doing that at 51, never touched a barbell before then. Okay. No one did. We just didn't do that, but you can shape your body and build lean muscle tissue, which is great for your metabolism. Also, with just strength with dumbbells. And how often do you recommend that women do that? Yeah, so at least three days a week, most gals need five. Um, if you have the time, it doesn't take very long, though, 30 to 45 minutes, that is it. So 
let's say you only have three. I have a lot of doctor clients. They only have three days. Perfect. I'll take it. Right. So you go in and you just focus on that strength training through your six or seven exercises going to almost failure. It's really important. So if you're lifting eight pounds, like, wait a minute, this is really easy. And it says to do 10 pounds and I could just keep going. No, then you need to lift more. And what happens is women get strong very fast and they're like, wow, I can't believe it. I need to buy more weights. And they're really surprised at themselves. Then you might think, oh, I remember people used to tell us we would get bulky. Impossible. Because number one, remember, women don't eat enough. So I'm always saying you need to eat more. You need to eat more, right? Need to eat at least maintenance, if not a surplus. And that scares gals to build lean muscle. You won't get fat because you're building muscle so your body is going to reward you because you ate and giving you some lean muscle tissue. And, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of huge mindset on getting, you know, wrapped around. Oh, I, you know, a lot of gals, I need to do cardio. I need to do more cardio. You can, but prioritize the lifting first, always lifting. And then after your workout, if you want to walk for 20 minutes, that'll continue the fat burning. It'll probably make your mind feel good because you did your cardio, but don't do the cardio first because that could just tucker you out. Then you can't, you know, really lift weights because your body has to cause little muscle tears in your muscle. Then when you sleep, you're seven to nine hours at night, your body is going to go to work and repair itself and be able to do some lean muscle tissue, not bulky, but lean muscle tissue. So three to five, I mean, I, I only work out about four days a week. I used to work out six and I overtrained and under recovered. And so now it's a happy medium four, sometimes five days, but I really prioritize sleep now. And that is really what you need to do. You'll know if you're overtired. And and going and that's that is all excellent information and I appreciate it because it it does change as you get older how you still like running and all those things that I used to feel helped me with weight loss just wasn't doing it for me like like it used to and not to say that it isn't good because also as we get older and that estrogen drops our risk for heart diseases is, is mm -hmm. real so it is it's important but I love that you say. Get those work, do the muscles first, then get yes. that cardio in afterwards. And that's where you're going to get the most benefit is what I hear you saying. Yes. With sleep, what do you feel? I mean, I think even at young ages, you know, I encourage children with that sleep because that's when the growth hormone is really doing its work. But as we age, how is sleep beneficial so that we can make it a priority, just know, understanding it. Yeah, so it really is. It's the whole recovery of your body. So I really like to think about it as being, you know, into longevity. So number one, how do, how do we get to sleep? Because in menopause, the hot flashes and night sweats, like, oh my goodness, I can't sleep all night. Plus, we're just aging. We just don't sleep quite enough, especially for gals who are not on bioidenticals. They really struggle with this, you know, even in perimenopause. And so first thing you want to do is power down the electronics, the blue light, letting our brains know, hey, we're chilling out here, you know, get your, your bedroom nice and cold. It, it really is really better and beneficial for us to sleep in a cooler room than the rest of the house. So you're letting your body know that. Also, don't eat three hours before you go to bed. Again, you don't want your brain 
trying to, you know, get revved up to repair you and your digestive system is still going. So that's a longevity hack, if you will, three hours before you go to bed, just stop eating. And your body will get accustomed to that. It's really important even just to get seven hours because I know nine is, you know, kind of unrealistic for a lot of people. But even that seven hours, your body now is rested. You have your deep REM sleep. If you go to bed, you know, by 11, at least by midnight, try because we know that around 1, 2 a.m., that is when the deep sleep, we want deep sleep, not just sleep, but we want solid sleep. So if you if gals aren't on bioidenticals and they really need to make their environment as restful as possible, blackout curtains, you know, the, the Wi-Fi is off and just really zoning down. It's we used to not need to worry about this 20 years ago, but now today, because electronics are so prevalent and they're everywhere in a house, it, it's kind of a, a lifestyle tweak. Yes. And I, I would agree. I can definitely tell for myself, I might get seven or eight hours of sleep, but based on what I did prior to sleep, whether it was a meal, like you said, or, um, you know, electronics and, and so on media, I could still get seven or eight hours of sleep, but I wake up exhausted, mm. you know, and I think that what that has to do with when we're feeling that way is number one, how, how was the sleep? Did you really get good sleep? And of course, making sure there aren't other medical issues, you know, like sleep apnea that can interfere, but, but just like what we do before we sleep makes such a difference in the quality of the sleep that we get and then how yeah. we're going to wake up the next morning. And I also think like even the 16 hours or whatever before it, it, it really starts from when our, our feet hit the floor, you know, and, and preparing ourselves with, um, with sleep based on, on what we're eating. Yes. When it comes to, you know, the body changing and, um, and it does, I agree. I feel like for me, it happened overnight. Um, one of the things that I think women, you know, are most concerned about in addition is that belly fat and, um, and how that, uh, has changed. And we know too, that that increases our risk as well for cardiovascular disease. What are some of the things, I mean, I know everything you've mentioned so far, we definitely help with that too, but are there any additional recommendations you would make in regards to that belly fat? Yeah, it's a it's a real big issue for I would say most of my clients when they come see me and for menopause gals when I do polls on Instagram and stuff. Yeah, it's it's a belly fat and I see it as I age too. I'm 56 now post menopause. Each little year I noticed when I was 42 is when it started. So I wasn't even menopause wasn't even on the radar. I was thinking, you know, my mom, you know, not even she had it. It was like a granny. And so if you are in your 40s, you will probably, if you're very in tune with yourself, you will see little by little with each birthday, a little bit more belly fat and then menopause, like, whoa, it it's more of a struggle now. And so I hate to say it, but the number one thing is food. It's like, we, I used to be able to cheat, have lots of, you know, foods and I still do cheat at times, but I know that I'm going to pay for it in my gut for sure. And, and I'll tell myself, and when I was in, even in my early fifties or forties, you know, I could get it back down within a matter of a week. Now it takes longer yeah. and it's just, it's unforgiving <laughs> kind of, and, um, 
but they're so you just don't want to eat certain foods that will that are known bloating you know any processed foods a lot of alcohol you know things that will bloat you now if you decide to go on bioidenticals because that will help you with heart disease, dementia, osteoporosis, and diabetes, because the lack of estrogen leads to an increase of all of those. I, for one, have one gene of the, of the Alzheimer's gene. So I have to be really careful with that because, you know, increased risk. My mom has stage six dementia. It's real prevalent. So when you're going through menopause, a lot of people will then tell me, yes, my grandma has menopause. I think my one of my parents has, I mean, one of my parents has dementia and it's a correlation when you do not have estrogen because our brains are made up of 60% saturated fats. And so we need that. Even testosterone is very beneficial for brain. You know, we think of it as mainly a sex hormone and it is because it, it correlates, but it's also really important to have in the brain. It's finding the doctor if you wanted to go on bioidenticals, which I find a lot of my clients have a hard time. Depends on which country, Canada is difficult, but also here in the States, it almost depends on your county. Um, I live in a very wealthy county in Florida. My sister doesn't. It's just, it just depends. And the age of your doctor, if they're old fashioned or if they're kind of modern. My doctor sat me down when I was 51. Because we did a test when I was 50. Oh, Barb, you're not menopause. Could be a long time or it could be very soon. I'm like, okay, whatever. Year later, he goes, Barb, you're now in menopause. You know, blood tests and symptoms. He goes, we're going to sit down, come to my office. 45 minutes, sat down with him. We're chatting. I thought, oh, gosh, everybody does this. This is amazing. I was so confused. He laid it out. This is hormone replacement. I was like, oh, and I'm a big researcher. And I said, okay, I'm going to go home. And I researched for three years. I ended up going on bioidenticals, but I realized through Zooming with clients and, and, and on social that my doctor was pretty special because no other client or person I've ever met has their doctor sat them down for a hormone talk. He was really, in, he taught me a lot and he just inspired me to go out and search for myself, you know, um, government statistics and things. I mean, I really, really needed to learn more about it. And that's really when I saw that there weren't very many menopause, either fitness programs, resources, or information for women my age. That's why I started my fitness um, program about that time. I was, I was in menopause. I had just started and I really realized, wow, there's nothing out there. So I'm going, I'm going to do this because I like to research and a lot of women don't, they don't even know you know, how would you even know? You, you, there's so many different steps. You're just flooded with, you know, belly fat is there. That that really just tops it off. And most women don't even get beyond that because it's just, it's so depressing. It's like, why is this happening? You're not eating any differently. You're really not moving any differently. You're still exercising, doing them. It's just this fat comes on and then your legs are starting to diminish and be like a stick figure. Mm -hmm. that's, that's menopause. So that's why you have to really fight and eat very certain foods, strength train for sure. And, um, you know, I would talk to your doctor to see if bioidenticals are for you. A lot of people are scared because of that terrible Premarin years ago. And these bioidenticals today are not like that. And they actually help more. It's just, it's, but it's a personal decision. 
but definitely do your research. Yes. And I think that's so important because as you said, not everybody sees a physician who is comfortable or has that knowledge. And so don't be afraid to, to, to do your own research so that you can find what is best for you. And that doesn't mean going around your doctor, ask if they're, if they're not, um, if they don't have the expertise or the experience in that, then it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with finding somebody that does. You also mentioned earlier in the podcast, something about healthy fats, because that was something as we got older, you know, as, as a young, you know, in our generation, it was like no fat, this and no fat and no fat. And then we learned, well, things that had no fat probably had more carbs or sugar to, you know, balance it out. So what are some of the foods that you recommend in regards to eating that have those healthy fats that help us with our metabolism, that helps with that belly fat with, and also helps, you know, longevity. So there's so many benefits uh, to getting more healthy fats in addition to lean proteins. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I learned this from a bodybuilder friend of mine about eight years ago, because again, non-fat yogurt, non-fat everything. And he said, Barb, as you are going along, I don't want you eating any low fat or non-fat food anymore, or you're going to end up with saggy skin. I was like, oh my goodness, I don't want that. Who wants saggy skin? So I turned around and now it's whole milk, whole, you know, Faye yogurt. I mean, everything, butter, olive oil, avocado, all those healthy fats, salmon versus let's say a, a white fish without any fat. And so I, I change and I all, I eat all whole fat dairy and and all and and add butter i eat a lot of butter actually and so my skin is not saggy it fills it in okay because you know that is the worst thing is when you're losing weight you're doing everything and then you end up with saggy skin it just doesn't make any sense so we really want to have those those fats are really good for us good for the brain good for your body and you know you can just put it in your macros so if you eat lean protein you're going to get a, a lot of you know, animal protein, you're going to get a lot of, of fats and, but you may need even a little bit more. And so a little bit of avocado, even some nuts, you know, they're high in fat, good for you. So there, there are things it's, I told a client the other day because I have certain foods that I eat and I said, it's not really the foods I eat. It's the foods that I don't eat. That's what you need to pay attention <laughs> to because everybody kind of eats 10 to 12 foods it's just if you're loosey goosey and say, oh, yeah, I'll take some fried chicken. Nothing wrong with it. It's good. But that's different than, OK, I'm going to bake my chicken or grill my chicken or something. Totally different. And it has a lot to do with your metabolism, because if you're eating a lot of fried food, it's processed seed oils on it, which are highly inflammatory. And it's a, it's a big no, no but very difficult to eat food, especially out at restaurants without seed oils. And so that's the sort of thing we want to avoid because that in menopause just double downs on the gut. Yeah. The bloating. And don't be afraid to ask, you know, your server. I know it drives my husband crazy. Sorry, John, because he knows like as soon as she gets to me, I start rattling off a lot of questions, but I know that it's important for me and what, and how I'm going to feel not just that next day, but also, you know, for the rest of my life. So don't, don't, when you are out, you know, don't be afraid to just ask how, how is that prepared or request us, you know, a certain type of oil, if that works for you. 
Well, Mm -hmm. I know I've walked away with a lot of take-home messages. Is there anything that you want to add before we end the show? I think you have done a brilliant job of asking questions and having a a really great conversation. I I really enjoyed it today. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, there, I'm going to list in the show notes how to get in touch with you Mm -hmm. if they would like some more information, but if you wouldn't mind um, letting them know as well, what's the best way for them to connect with you if they've, because I really want to encourage everyone listening. If, if you've resonated with a lot of what she has said, and I've chills just even saying this, please don't, you know, nothing hurts to to reach out. And so um, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah, a couple ways. One is my website. So it's barbhawkinwellness.com. And of course, on social, I'm really active on Instagram. So it's barb.hawkin. From there, I have a five-day free gut reset. You can always take a, take a peek at that. I do offer one-on-one custom coaching, really geared toward period of postmenopausal gal. And I'm coming out with a metabolism reset course coming out in October, which again, really geared toward toward our age group because it's just a problem uh, for a lot of gals. Their their metabolism needs to get revved up as I had to rev mine up in my 40s. I, I just had to do that. And, and being a macro coach, that's a, a real stickler with gals not really understanding how to eat. And so I'm always available uh, for that also. Thank you so much. And thank you everybody for listening and let's grow up together. Thanks for listening to another episode of Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. If you enjoyed this episode and think the information shared here today could benefit someone else, take a screenshot of the episode and post to your Instagram story. Make sure you tag us at Growing Up with Dr. Sarah so we can spread the word about the show and continue to grow in our mission to support as many parents and families as possible. Hey, if you're interested in being a guest on the show or would like to suggest a topic, please visit www.growingupwithdrsarah.com slash contact. Thanks again for spending time with us today. Stay tuned for a brand new episode next week as we continue to grow up together.